Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we bring you insights into film, television, online and so much more. This week we're going to go heavy into motion design. We're going to look at 3D studios. We're going to be looking at Cinema 4D, Nodefest, presenting community and we're going to be doing that with brett morris of ranger and fox thank you so much brett for joining us on the show thanks for having me glad to be here i met you at nodefest which seems like a lifetime ago now <laughs> it was only back in november <laughs> a lot has happened in between i know uh worldwide traveling christmas i mean it feels like a lifetime ago for sure yeah it was it was so awesome to um meet you in person and have a chat and have a beer at at the bar and thank you so much for coming on the show i I hit you up then and said would you be in and you were like yeah for sure (laughs) i know it was by chance that we got to chat at the at at node as well because we were just kind of at the bar hanging out and then we ended up chatting for quite a few minutes before you dropped the, oh, I'm Blair, by the way, that runs the podcast. I was like, oh, hey, I'd love to be on that. So I was really happy to meet you. And um, yeah, it was, it was such a great experience being back down there. Your presentations have just gone online with everybody else's. Uh, they went online yesterday. So awesome to see that. Yeah, I'm stoked to see that uh, online finally. Uh, James would be kind of giving me the heads up saying, hey, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And so many people that couldn't make it to Node have been asking hey, when are we going to see this? Um, you know, forget about my presentation. There's there's way more interesting stuff to be seen. The the Buck guys, I think, um, gave a tremendous presentation. And um, I've been sort of touting that as, as something that everyone must watch. There's so much info that those guys shared with us, as, as well as the other presenters. Obviously, John Dickinson's was really good. Richard's was great. And um, yeah, holistically, to be part of that group of presenters and be there... Uh, presenting to the Australian community was was uh, was a huge honor for me and uh, I'm just stoked that everyone can now tune in and check them all out. Yeah definitely and you had a big trip to make because you were traveling with your family and your young son at the same time which is always always fun traveling with a young baby. <laughs> yeah it, we, we, we felt like we needed to rip the band-aid off and just see what a long haul was going to be with with a small baby um he we we managed to travel back to australia for his first birthday and that was that was a huge thing for us just to you know go back to uh australia with all friends and family that hadn't met him yet yeah so it was a double win for us uh well double win for me to be able to present at node and, and go back and yeah you know a 14 hour flight with a with a 12 month old is is definitely a challenge but I'm glad we did it, you know, at, yeah. le- at least we know what that, that threshold is and it can only get better when we travel from here on in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And being a father with a young son and the, and the having a studio, like I'm not going to go over your career and your history. I th- I'm going to point everybody to um, School of Motions podcast that's recently come out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And listen to that because um, he does. Joey does such a great job. So I think go have a listen to that to really get an understanding of Brett's um, career. But having a studio for yourself was about, it sounds to me, having that flexibility of lifestyle, which must be really re- rewarding with a young son as well. Yeah, absolutely. And to give people some context, um, my uh, girlfriend partner, we're both... Australian we're both living in America and Los Angeles and we're we're both here without a support network and so when we first found out that we were having a child I think 
a lot of people would sort of gravitate towards the steady income and the stability but we sort of looked in the opposite direction and we we needed more freedom and so that's what sort of inspired me to resign from capacity and start doing my own thing and i think it was just this natural progression of talking to other studios and and sort of seeing where i would fit in someone else's uh playbook and that sort of got steve and i onto the topic of creating our own studio and you know we've got lifestyle by design um the way we want it now and we we we've been fortunate that we haven't had to put in crazy amount of hours we've definitely had a couple of late nights and weekends here and there but i think having a studio obviously is a big burden and gets even bigger when you have staff and a higher payroll and and the bottom line increases but while we're small and while we're nimble we're we're just happy to sort of take on the amount of work that we can manage in a regular hours and and really be there for our family and and Steve's also expecting his first child in a, in actually a couple of months so we're also preparing for that because you know we're going to be man down for a, like you know a good couple of months while he gets situated so having our own studio just gives us flexibility that we haven't had in the past and certainly yeah it's not without its own challenges but it's it's definitely rewarding that's that's um really interesting to hear as a lot of people in the past year have been talking about freelancing and and I think the 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 lines blur between freelancing and being a studio um, f- for a lot of people. And I know that you kept the overheads low when you first started um, with Ranger and Fox. Do you have any advice for people about what the difference of being a freelancer versus being a, a studio, whether you're a one man or you're a team of a couple? Ultimately the real difference I suppose is that you're not going to go in and work for somebody. You've got your own clients and your own projects, but that transition of being a freelancer to being a studio, how did you find that? And is there any advice you've got for the listeners out there? Yeah, I think, um, being a freelancer, you're essentially a, a gun for hire. So you can, you can just slot in any studio at, at any position at any stage of the uh, pipeline and you're there to service a need for a studio and um, that I think appeals to a lot of people because it gives them ultimate flexibility I mean they if you don't want to answer to anyone you don't need to answer to anyone but um, the downside of that is that you're working to someone else's house style or you're working to a client that maybe you wouldn't want to work with and to me, I wanted to build something that was um, more of a legacy. So at least Steve and I can build our brand and we can service a client. And so if we start to build up our brand and reputation over a couple of years and start to build up this body of work that is Ranger and Fox, um, hopefully that becomes something that is greater than just the individuals who are behind the, the, the name. And so that's that's what really appealed to us to, to go in and start to build something that was more than just a freelance operation. Yeah. Being a studio, um, I'm really interested to know how you approach getting work. Do you have producers or is it just that it's your relationship direct with clients that facilitates the projects coming in? Yeah. Um, what's your approach for it? Yeah, it's a it's a big question mark for us, even, even you know, being a year in. We... We were incredibly fortunate to land um, a great client at Microsoft. And so fortunately, they've kept us busy and they've enabled us to 
sort of build out all the infrastructure and, and foundation to the studio that we've wanted to achieve within the first year. But we're also at the position where it's like, well, cool, we, we, we have one great client. What about the next great client and the next one and so forth and so forth? And so um, now that the first 12 months is behind us, we're sort of looking past the peripheral pillars that we had to sort of build in that foundation stage. Um, and just for context, what I'm explicitly talking about is having the business structure in place, having a lawyer that can look after the legal side of things, having a bookkeeper that manages the finances. A lot of the first year, any time in between client work, we were focusing on getting that stuff set up. So now that we're past that first 12 month stage, any of that free time that we once had, uh, we're able to create again. And so as we go into the new year, bringing on more clients is definitely a, a really high priority for us. And we want to bring in really good quality p- clients. And so there's no real like magic answer as to like how to get that. But one thing that we are trying um, is creating more. And so Steve and I have always sort of um, had a lot of passion for doing our own internal projects. And that would be something akin to the Pause Fest project. Um, and so we want to sort of challenge ourselves technically and creatively by doing by creating our own stuff again with the intention of bringing in more clients. And so there's, there's something that we've actually started now that um, maybe I can, I can show you a little bit afterwards, or maybe I'll cool. send you something now to check out. Um, that's just like, just something fun that we know we can bite off in a couple of uh, weeks. It's not a massive project, but there's messaging behind it. And hopefully it becomes something that we can actually market the brand outside or market the studio outside of our yep. own sort of insular uh, industry. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we're thinking. We're we're trying to project ourselves into different areas of industries that wouldn't necessarily see us in the hopes that we can generate some cool and fun clients to work with. It's a really important um thing to think about because I f- I feel like it's it's really um a big part of being a motion designer is understanding looking for work connecting seeing what great work is out there but it it is an internal reflection I suppose in the community um sharing great work and replying to great work but it's motion designers talking to motion designers not the clients so actually looking to connect with the clients and where they are and how yeah yeah I think it's something that we all need to think about yeah absolutely um pause fest so that was a really big project for you and Steve as mm-hmm. an exploration of going out on your own in a way, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we had always, uh, we always aspired to be better designers than what we were in the present time. And so the way you sort of do that is just throw yourself into a project that scares the living shit out of you and know that you're exposing yourself creatively uh, by sharing this with the outside world. And so we we had um, one project that we had done in the vacuum, which was the Confidential Awards, which uh, was, was talked about at Node. And that really sort of set us up to um, look at the work that we were creating together as something that we wanted to build on. And so when Pause first came up, that was, that was probably the most um, uh, terrifying challenges for that exposure. Um, not in the exposure of getting eyeballs, but being judged. And that uh, project was, was um, 
it was probably one of the most enjoyable projects that I've, I've worked on to date purely for the fact that it was just like total creative freedom just to explore ideas that wouldn't necessarily stick if you're working on an actual design challenge with a crea- uh, with a client it was more hey what is cool what what speaks to us what what do we want to sort of explore in this idea and that just went down this rabbit hole of, of and you know ultimately creating the project that we made and um, now I look back at it and I'm I'm super proud of it but I think just as a creative, you kind of look back and think, oh, man, I wish we just spent one more week doing this or one more <laughs> month, you know, on that idea or, you know, pushing it further and further. But I think that kind of just fuels the fire to sort of create again and do something bigger and better next time. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of inherent in all of us. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's always just abandoning the art. <laughs> At some point, right. there's a cutoff. Yeah. <laughs> With having an open brief like that, where did you guys start with coming up with those ideas? And yeah, really interested to sort of um, how the project went through the various steps, the concepting, the development. Like, is it just literally you had an open book or did you kind of give yourselves a little bit of a brief? How did you start the project? Uh, I think from the the very beginning, um, I was reading... A, a mysticism book that sort of planted all these like really dark ideas in my mind and uh, I was listening to a group called Movement at the time and a lot of their music felt like it was um, complementing some of the stuff that I was I was reading at the time and I think that sort of just started to uh, fuel some ideas brewing and a lot of the earlier ideas definitely didn't have any sort of weight to them you know we were, we were thinking of something dark we were thinking of like hey we could go to like the four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse or do something like really dark like that but then I think when we we kept going back to the um, very very tiny brief of discovering your future self we started trying to process these ideas internally thinking well how would you how would you visually describe um, sort of the aging process through ideas of um i don't know like we we were always trying to think like you know each of these animation ideas represented some level of sort of reflection or internalizing um chaos or and you know we were always talking about these sort of like grander ideas but it's all very abstract and it wasn't until we started actually designing frames and looking at the art direction in a way that had some sort of meaning to complement the the concept that's when we started to evolve it. And um, I think the very first frame that um, I put together was the, um, it was sort of like the three sculptures, the three busts that were together, but one was like sliced and the other one had sort of caved in on itself. And it felt nice, you know, it was like low contrast. There was something interesting about it, but there was something missing. And it was sort of tabled for a second. And I went down the rabbit hole of trying to find something um, some sort of thread that could kind of hold this idea together. And that's when we found this Japanese poem that sort of spoke to self-reflection. And uh, as soon as we started playing with the Japanese typography with the style frame, that's when everything really started to amplify and, and get some traction with the frames. And from there, I think once we had this sort of like framework of, hey, there's a bust, it's, just, it's in this environment, um, there's this Japanese type, let's just explore compositions. And once we had, 
you know, 20 odd different ideas. It was, okay, how does this, how does this come together? Let's put this through a sequence. Let's try and figure out how we're going to end it. And, you know, there, there is definitely like, if you look at the color script, that's, I think part of the breakdown that we put together, um, you can definitely see how, how it starts in darkness and it obviously ends in the lightness and there's this uh, punctuation of red, um, in the middle. And they were all very, very intentional things to, to this sort of concept that we were trying to, trying to uh, portray. It's, it's really graphic, beautiful, stunning. Um, yeah, I, a great piece. We'll have the link to that and, and all the other work that we talk about today. So go Thank check you. it out. Um, I really like the idea of what you're talking about, where that inspiration came from. It's from, you know, looking at books, music, poetry, mm. typography. I feel that a lot of um, us are looking at other designers, motion designers' work for inspiration, but having real creativity is just um, exploring all these other mediums as well. Do you find that for yourself for a lot of the work that you're looking to um, books and music and poetry and other forms? Yeah, I, I would like to think that most projects have some form of external influence outside of our motion design industry. Um, it's, it's whether or not um, it, it's a matter of how big of an influence it has. And I think that is really a spectrum of, is it client work or is it internal personal work? And I think the more internal personal work that's heavily influenced by external um, forces um, because a lot of the client work, it's, it's objective based. So it's like, Hey, here's a line in the script. How do we do this? Okay. Well, Hey, I, I remember I saw someone do this amazing bit of animation. It was like a really cool transition from here to here. Maybe that's something we can kind of be inspired for this moment. So there's definitely a lot of, um, internal inspiration from our industry that we take on. And I think that's just inherent with our industry because sharing is so freely available and everyone's doing amazing work. So it's hard not to be inspired, even if it's subconsciously. Yeah. But I think, I think whenever possible, I, I try and uh, look at other creative industries um, for inspiration. Like right now, um, this, this little thing that we're, we're brewing at the moment um, I, I tend to look at a lot of music video clips as inspiration because I think um, that's a different medium that has as much control but also freedom creatively. Um, and I'm always curious to see how some directors portray their artists in their videos, especially when it's like a bit of a, holy shit, I can't believe they actually... Um, you know, had this concept approved and the record label was on board and the artists are on board, but hey, this finally, this made it through and it looks amazing and it's so out there. And so a lot of those sort of risks um, are really inspiring to see. So yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything, but I, I try and look at a broader spectrum because I'm, I'm always conscious of you know, hey, this this thing looks a little similar to to this other guy, or hey, this person did this, and that kind of looks like mine. So, anything to sort of you know separate, and and I think at the same time you you want to sort of develop your own style and voice, and I yeah. think a lot of that external stuff helps that naturally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really interesting hearing you talk about um, the music videos because for for directors, music videos was this is this playground of um, yeah. finding their voice, and then collating that or trying to tie that over to motion designers, um, that personal work being that same opportunity. Um, 
yeah, it it's it ties back also to the um, Nodefest presentation that you did, where you you started by showing your showreel um, from from some my time. new one, <laughs> <laughs> the, your old one at the start. Yeah. But like, <laughs> it was a great presentation. Everybody has to go check it out. It's an awesome presentation. You did so well. Um, Thank you. But finding your voice, finding your style, uh, do, did you, do you feel that um, these personal projects that you're giving yourself time to do, that's an opportunity to really jump a big step forward in finding that style for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's almost essential. And I, I, I believe it's sort of like, you know, if, if I was to kind of uh, group the years of my sort of experience to date, like that showreel that I've, that I showed, um, that's sort of like the technical years of learning the language. So, you know, I think if you're new to the industry, whether it be animation or design, I mean, these are new concepts that you, you just don't know. And so it takes a long time for you to sort of understand the syntax of the um, art or the medium that you're working in. And from there, I think the next sort of big stage is sort of using those skills and then um, using them in a way that has some sort of inspiration. And those next batch of years to me was when I was sort of um, looking at other studios and trying to figure out how they did things you know, I had the technical understanding, um, you know, or at least it limited at the time. Um, but I could see what they were doing and I could sort of break down how they were doing it. So that's how my work started to sort of emulate what other studios are doing. And the sort of the next jump off after that is, okay, cool. Well, I, I feel I can do X, Y, and Z, but where's my voice? Like who, who am I? And taking those personal projects, that's when you kind of just take everything that you've learned and, expose yourself like I was saying with the pause fest stuff and really sort of discover what your voice is and that's that's a terrifying experience I think but when you've been in the industry for so long um, to really understand like who you are as an artist and um, it's liberating because then you can just you've got something to build on in the next chapter yeah it's it's really really um, cool to have seen where you came from and the work that you're producing now, I, f- I felt like it was such a strong motivation for a lot of um, people who are at that stage in their career where they're not juniors, they've had some experience, they've had some jobs, they've got a reel, but it's, mm. it's kind of, you know, that hunger to get really, really good and producing yeah. the level of work you are, to see that that, that isn't just um, one big step, it's a, it's a progression and a path yeah. and a journey. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, lots of baby steps. <laughs> yeah, lots <laughs> and of lots of, <laughs> lots of tripping over as well. <laughs> well, you have to. Um, you know, creativity is an exploration of mistakes to find what li- what you like and what you're going to pull together. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you were saying, um, you know, the concepts that you don't know in those early, early years. And I think that's such a big one. Um, I have a lot of people who are graduating and coming and chatting with me about getting work or um getting better and it's like what do I need to do and it's like how can you, how can I say you don't know what you don't know yet <laughs> and our, right. our conversation <laughs> is not going to expose you to all of that so 
It's a half, hard one. You just have to actually just get in there and do it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get your knees dirty. Yeah, you, know, you just gotta dive in and 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 get it figured out. I I think yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think as you go on in your career, you realize that you actually know nothing, and that's just something that you just accept as yeah. you go on. And I think um, that's one of the most um, appealing aspects of our industry is that if you're it, it like. You could be complacent and just, you know, clock out and say, yeah, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm good as I am and, and that's it. But if you stay hungry and you're always searching for the answers, I mean, you've got a life, a life, a lifelong, you know, sort of creative challenge ahead of you that um, not many other industries offer. Yeah, it's such a good point. Yeah, it's, it's what I really enjoy about our whole industry is it doesn't stop. It, do, it doesn't mm. stop. It's never sit, sit stills as a mm. bit of a shout out to Mike. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you were saying, um, you know, nothing. And it's like, it, it reminds me of parenting. It's the same thing. Right. You're never going to be this, you know, A-list parent at the you know with awards yeah, and things got it all it's, figured it's the out. journey <laughs> yep 100 percent. yeah which which i'm learning very quickly <laughs> yeah yeah um i make many mistakes as a parent but anyway uh different show <laughs> different show yeah different show for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay um i really want to talk about another piece of work that i felt was so beautiful and very cool but is actually for a client too and that was for um maxon uh who the audience will know for cineversity oh yeah, yeah. so um that's the cineversity ident and we'll have a link so check it out everyone really really cool piece of work i was interested how did that come about for you guys uh the project landing yeah is- uh, so I thankfully have a, a have a really good relationship with uh, Maxon US and uh, Matthias, who is sort of the head of marketing. He's sort of like the mother hen that looks after all the artists whenever we're you know a presentation route, and he puts together all the presentation um, for all the exhibitions and all that. Um, I've just thankfully just had a good relationship with him and Paul, um, the CEO. And so they came to myself, EJ and Lorcan and just said, Hey, we want to start doing a series where we just give three of our, you know, artists, uh, the Cineversity logo, make a, um, 10 to 15 second ident. Uh, the only rules, are, um, gosh, what was it? hundred percent cinema, no plugins. Uh, including renderers as well, which they ex- explicitly said. Uh, and then a tutorial series had to be derived out of it as well as a live NAB presentation. So it was just, thankfully, you know, a good relationship brought that to us. And uh, that was a really fun one. It was it was challenging, but uh, it was really fun because uh, that's that took a different approach to, oh, we had a different approach to that one than we did, say, PauseFast. Um, this one was purely design. Uh, the concept was very uh, straightforward, just you know, using the play button from the Cineversity idea. And the, the broader concept was all of these techniques can be taught at Cineversity and it's all within the Cineversity play button. So that's, that's kind of the narrative that we were trying to uh, sell with the animation. And um, that was really fun because... Uh, I think with all design challenges, you know, if you're working with a framework, you, you start to 
um, explore ideas that you wouldn't naturally go to because of those restraints. And I think having a project that had those restraints within cinema was actually really liberating because uh, I just got to explore and build some interesting rigs that I knew could be shared uh, either in a presentation or tutorial. And uh, it was just really fun just exploring different things. And once the art direction came together for that sort of um, the color palette we used and the lighting, the environment, all that, uh, the sequence was just super fun to work on. So I think we spent maybe two weeks on it. Um, and it was a pretty quick turnaround. But uh, yeah, really fun. Really damn good for two weeks, man. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I didn't uh, becoming a real opportunity of exploration and um, tying back to NodeFest, they have a huge ident comp and the work that was coming out of that was extraordinary. Oh, it was stellar. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I know that they're going to be doing that again this year. Um, so everybody out there, it's a great opportunity to have a bit of a brief. Um, James puts out a little bit of a brief about what the ident comp is going to be and yeah great opportunity to focus and create some work for yourself that's connected to something bigger as well so it's so cool just seeing all those idents one after another after another yeah i mean every everyone got like a massive round of applause yeah. in between the breaks when they're airing them and uh to speak to some of the artists that were making them afterwards uh, you can just see like how stoked everyone was to be part of it and then be at the at the uh, conference and 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 seeing that recognition uh, it was really cool and what i what I loved seeing uh, about those idents was such a wide variety of styles are coming out of Australia at the moment, and I really liked the fact that there was some really high end three d character stuff, really beautiful rendering. But then on the other end of the spectrum, there was a lot of uh, illustrative sort of out there concepts that just looked incredible. And uh, Jeremy's one, which was the the ninja one, it's just like, it's crazy. I mean, it's 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 super crazy. Really, really impressive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I will have a link to that one in particular. Um, he won the comp and mm. he's got some really great um, breakdowns of the green screen. It looked like a fun shoot as well. He's done a bit of compositing on that piece. Yeah, totally agree with you, man. It's like some awesome work in there. Presenting. I'm really interested, because you've done a few presentations now, like you're, you've become quite, um, quite a figure on the scene. Is that something that just evolved, or did you put yourself out of your comfort zone initially to start presenting? How did, how did presenting come about for you? Yeah, it's... It's been a like its own parallel journey to you know the the, the work that I do day to day. Um, I think coming out of high school, I didn't love public speaking, and that's probably just because I went to a boys' school and we just gave each other a hard time <laughs> when any time anyone got up and <laughs> for a presentation. So I I sort of had an aversion towards public speaking, and I could, I could tell as. Um, my career was going over that you're in situations like a meeting in a boardroom and you're expected to speak with confidence. And I could kind of tell that I had these sort of like hesitations or at least, uh, you know, a little bit of fear when it came to the, all that sort of stuff. And so I knew that inevitably it'd just have to be something that I'd have to be okay with doing. 
And I was always a huge fan of the Maxon presentations they put on for Seagraph and NAB and always, always heavily inspired by those particular presentations because seeing an insight into an artist's workflow and understanding the challenges, not just a simple walkthrough of, you know, do A, B, C, and there's your end result, um, taught me way more than um, any other sort of uh, medium. And so I wanted to be part of that. And so I think... uh, a few years back, um, I, don't, I can't even remember how I was introduced to the Maxon crew, but um, an opportunity came up to, to speak at NAB, and I said, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think this is sort of my, you know, end of this chapter and start of a new one. i, I got to look forward and do this. And uh, to be 100% honest, I was shitting myself <laughs> for months leading up to it. You know, it's yeah. like this big storm on the horizon. It's like I have to get up in front of not only the people that are there sitting in front of me, but also the live stream and then also know it lives online. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just like you get out of bed and you stand in front of that podium and you give the presentation. You have to go through tech rehearsals weeks before. You have to, you know, be on site for all the meetings. And obviously you have, you hang out with everyone for a couple of days before you even get or the show actually opens up. So there's, there's a process, like a mental process that you're sort of battling about the fear of public speaking. But when I gave those first ones at NAB a few years ago, it was just the most exhilarating experience afterwards. I mean, I was just on top of the moon, absolutely loved it and realized that all of that fear was for nothing because uh, when you're up there speaking about your passion and speaking about something that means something to you, and you're able to share it with an audience that is interested, I mean, there's nothing to fear. Yeah. So um, any opportunity I say yes to, and I think it's it's something that gets a little bit easier every time. But I mean, Nodefest, I was the last speaker of the day and I was just nervous as hell sitting down there watching every other presenter speak. And so it's it's a healthy fear to have and I think it's a mental game. But I've, I've loved doing it because I think um, how I speak uh, now it, I, I, you know as much as I'm umming and ahhing through this you know I, th- I think it forces you to articulate ideas in a much more um, digestible way yeah. when you're presenting and I think that just sort of helps day-to-day conversations especially when you're sort of working out project uh, problems in a project and you're sort of trying to like lead someone else and, and take direction I think it, it helps with the communication skills massively yeah definitely um I'm always looking to get better at speaking myself and the podcast is part of that journey for me. I, st- yeah. I still hate how many times I say, um, uh. Um, <laughs> my one's so. <laughs> I, I need to come up with a word, which is a word that doesn't really mean anything, but it's that little moment that you get give yourself to get your next thought. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. The planning of the presentation, it's pretty massive. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I've I have never done this myself um, at the scale you have. I've done lots of presentations in New Zealand, but to a global audience that's going to be living out in the web forever, never had that. But I'm thinking the practicing, the planning, like there's a lot of work that goes into this. Yeah, I, I, I always underestimate how much time needs to go into it. Um, there's there's challenges that present themselves as you're sort of working out those details that you just you just can't prepare for so uh, 
if I'm doing a, a like a more of a technical presentation, um, that's way more linear because it's um, you know starting with an idea, boiling that idea down to something that's really easily uh, digestible for the audience so that you can follow along when you go into the more technical stuff. That I find is um, really fun to explore because a lot of the ideas that I'm putting into practice on a project, I'm not having to explain that verbally. I just do it and I just tinker and tinker and tinker until it's right. But when you sort of revisit the project a couple of weeks or months later and think like, I understand why I did this because it works, but why would I do that opposed to a different direction? And so sort of extracting that question and presenting it to an audience, um, you have to be really clear. You have to sort of have your work files in order. You have to know exactly what you're going to do um, because you want people to be able to follow along and actually feel like they've learned something. So, you know, if you can give them the idea and then say, hey, understand how this little seed works, let's open the production file and don't be intimidated by yeah. all these other things that you've got to take in. Um, it's a real challenge because you're you're kind of doing two things at once. You're explaining it and also showing it. And you've always got this fear that the computer's going to break down and, and you're going to be standing up there, you know, totally lost for words. But um, I, I find that the more of the technical stuff uh, gets a little bit easier because at least I've got a little bit of a process of just how to sort of extract those ideas and, and figure out the best way to present them. Yeah. Node, Nodefest and anything that's more creative, I think, is a little bit of a different beast because it's more narrative form. So, um, it's, it's, it would be one thing just to say, Hey, here is project, uh, Y and here is the roadmap and end of story and see it later. I think that's, that's one way of approaching it. And it, it's fine for a lot of, a lot of people. Um, I always want to sort of give context around that project as to why that project is worth talking about yeah. because everyone's everyone's great at what they do and everyone does great work. Um, so I'm always trying to like look for an angle that, um, you know, someone who is at the beginning stages of their career can walk away with something and someone who's more experienced than me can say, yeah, cool. I, I kind of understand why he did those things. And I think that's, that's like a, a challenge that I'm still processing more and more, but it's hopefully something I get better at and, and quicker at because yeah, the, the amount of prep work that goes into a presentation like node is tremendous. Yep. Oh, well, I don't know how many hours you clocked in, but, um, I'm sure you're closer to 10,000 hours than a lot of other people. And I'm going <laughs> to link to all those, um, NAB presentations in the node in the show notes. Yep. Show notes, show notes. And a big shout out to Matt <laughs> Lloyd who's um, joined the team and he's helping me out with, um, show notes. And um, yeah, so thank you so much, Matt, for doing that. I really appreciate it. Matt is um, a motion designer based here in Auckland, Brett. And he's really inspirational to me because he decided um, in his late 30s that he loved graphic design, but he was really interested in this thing called motion. <laughs> so Good he, on him. <laughs> yeah, so he took a big pivot in his career and um, pretty scary, eh? Jumping out of a paid job and jumping into being a freelance motion designer you know at an age where yeah a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't be um that bold i think yeah 100 percent. that's a that's a that's a big leap but i'm sure short term it hurts 
shifting, but man, in the long run, he's going to be so glad he did it. He already is. He's in um, the Slack groups that I, he's in the NodeFest Slack group actually, and um, the Pro Video Slack group. Oh, cool. And he's been digging um, Cinema 4D a lot, and uh, especially with Redshift and getting his head around Redshift and asking Liam a lot of questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, a lot to learn there. Yeah, <laughs> there's sure. quite a bit. Um, oh, we could do a whole episode about render engines, but um, I'm going to point to the BroGraph episode that you were on to as well for everybody to check that out because um, it's probably a better show for that sort of topic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I was really interested to talk to you before we go into the pro video picks, just about um, being on podcasts, being presenting, putting yourself out there in the community. What are the benefits that you get from this? It's it's, um, you're so. What's the right word? You're so giving with your time and energy, and yeah, and and. Everybody else is getting so much from hearing from you, from seeing the work that you're doing. What What is it that you get out of it on a personal level? Uh, yeah, good question. I I think that, uh, as you say, like giving comes from the, the the background that I had, which is sort of starting in a really sort of like, <laughs> I, I guess like isolated position from the industry. Um, I worked at a production company that, you know, it was a really small production company, but we weren't really connected to the wider audience. And I always felt like it was like an arm's reach away. You know, I always wanted to see what was happening on the inside of these bigger studios that I followed or, you know, any of these artists that I, I really admired their work. I would always be so curious on who are they like as people and, and what was their process like and what are they working on next? And so I always had a desire to sort of want to learn more. And at a certain point when I was sort of working with John Dickinson, he sort of presented these ideas of like, well, you know, you should be on Twitter and you should be on the, um, you know, part of the conversation with the community and go to all these events because ultimately that's how you're going to be part of it. And so I think that sort of, got changed my perspective at a really good time in my career because I actually had something to share and so uh, you know I was probably like six or seven years into the career at that point and actually could show my work and I was really inspired to show people the breakdowns because I was like hey I learned this thing I think maybe you can as well and I think that's just kind of grown as I've sort of progressed in my career because uh, the, the further I've gone into the career there's been more things to talk about there's been more things to share and I I just enjoy doing it I think cool. that's the that's the, the the simplest answer is you know what better um, reward can you have than to share your knowledge with people and know that they actually benefit it in a, in a meaningful way and you know it's it's really simple things but you know getting an email from someone on the other side of the world saying hey I saw your presentation from a few years back I've got this challenge for a client project which I'm trying to implement um, it helped me get from A to B and that's awesome you know like yeah. I don't expect that and it's so cool to, to hear when it actually um, sort of pays off for someone who's 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 tuned in yeah uh, really really cool to hear because I feel so so strongly and passionately about that as well because similarly 
when I was coming into the industry, there was no exposure. All you, you know, actually finding good work was hard enough on the internet, let right. alone <laughs> yeah. finding the community. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> yeah, like Stash uh, DVD was like the only way you could really like see the other work that was happening out there. Yeah, and um, so, and I was exposed to some post facilities early on in my career and seen some, some artists who were on these big iron boxes who really sort of kept that knowledge to themselves. And it was like, yeah, you know, right. They had their little black box of tricks. And I yep, just felt yep. it was just bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, so I've, I've always just tried to give any knowledge I can, any support, any help. And that's why I'm doing the podcast as well. So I feel like I'm on a very similar page with you there. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I always felt it was like, yeah, like cool trade secrets, but like, I don't know. You want to like, help the help the community? I don't know. I, I, I just I never saw eye to eye with that no, mentality. No. So there's so many great places that everybody out there can um, connect. Um, Slack is becoming more and more part of that conversation. On a the speed of the conversations now, it's like with Twitter or Slack, you're literally real time chatting with everyone. So I really encourage everybody to jump onto the Nodefest Slack and the Pro Video Slack. And I'll have a link to the Brograph Slack. Lots of Slacks. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> and now it's time for the Pro Video Picks. So we're going to jump into the Pro Video Picks now. I'm just going to roll into it and ask you, Brett, what would be your Pro Video Pick for everybody? So this is a pick of just general get this into your life it's going to be a lot better cool uh i would say last pass <laughs> i like i don't know what it is about that thing but it just makes my life so uncluttered and it just like you said like this day and age with so many slack channels twitter like everything else that's going on i used to have that mentality of just like one per- one password works for everything or like slight variation yeah but um i don't know i'm i'm all about like uh, you know, like life hacking or just anything that sort of makes my life a little bit more optimized and just having that little tool in my toolbox yeah. makes everything, you know, you put serials in there or your like all your software and plugin information can go in there. So for me, that's like a, a nice little tip that I'd, I'd love for everyone else to try out. Definitely such a good one. I've, um, I've recommended one uh, password, which is really similar in the past. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I don't want to have to try and think and remember all that stuff. It's just it's not not interesting. But what it's it, too much brain power. Exactly. I don't know about you. I've become like the password holder for my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my mum. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to sign up for that. <laughs> it's just easier because they they ask me to rebuild their phones all the time, so it's like, oh uh. uh, yeah, yeah. So it's in your best interest to know them then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real good pick. I, I, I really agree that if you're doing something that's um, taking mental brain power and it can be automated or removed, um, do it. I've, I've started this year th- looking at any processes or anything that I'm doing multiple times. How can I streamline that? How can I automate it? How can I just get yeah. rid of it? Okay, so my pro video pick, it's such a small one, and I can't believe after all these years of using After Effects, I've didn't bother to even look for it. So when you're in Premiere and you're in your timeline, you're zoomed in, then you're going to press the um, the backslash key to view your whole timeline, right? And After Effects, yep. I've always just used the plus and the minus to zoom in and out. And I don't know, oh, I've yeah. always just used that. 
But then I was like, what's, what's the way to zoom out to the timeline? And it didn't really seem obvious to me. So it's, it was shift semicolon. And then it's like, so when you're zoomed in, press shift semicolon and then it will show you your whole timeline. And you press it again, it will take you exactly back to the zoom that you were previously in your timeline. So I've That's been using awful. that every yeah. day. So huh. <laughs> it's the little things. It's the little things. Yeah, I got to get on that. Yeah, and I, I love a good keyboard shortcut as well. So I'll, I'll try that. Yeah, I'll try that out. Another one is um, uh, cropping the timeline to um, selected layer. Is um, it's really hard to think. Hey, you don't really think when you're doing it. I think it's Shift Alt B. But then um, trimming your comp to your timeline selection is Shift Control X on a PC. So okay. I, I use those all the time. Sleep delay, trim the comp to it. Yeah. Boom, boom, bam. Yeah. Okay. Super helpful. Okay. Um, inspirational video. What would be your inspirational video, Brett? Uh, this one's a little bit older, uh, but I think, I think a lot of people appreciate this. So it's called Watchtower over Turkey. And I'll send you the, the link. It's by Leonardo uh, D'Alessandri. Delisandri. And uh, what people, why I'm recommending this and what people might not know is this heavily inspired the Pause First project. So, you know, we're talking about the concept and how things were going. This was also a major component to the video. And what we saw in it were just amazing camera moves edited in such a frenetic way that gave such just a fluid motion um, compacted so many ideas visually in such a short amount of time and just such a beautiful piece to watch. So I would definitely check that out. It's about three years old, but I mean, it's, it's amazing. And it's funny after seeing this and sort of studying it uh, as we did when we got the pause for us project off the ground, you see traits show up here and there and you're like, Oh yeah, I, b- I bet they watched the same video as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see how other people had sort of taken some of those ideas and, and used it in their own thing. Awesome. Awesome. My inspirational video is fishy minds branding. Um, I dense. Yeah. Kind of fits into that whole thing again. It's, some really slick 2D and 3D, really clean, but I love the 2D animation with the clean vector lines and things. So we'll have a link to that. Um, it's Fishy Minds Animation Studio in Sweden. And um, yeah, basically they said the logo works as a sandbox where users can explore and experiment with different visual expressions by tailoring the logo, to, logo type to fit their desires. And there's just some really cool thoughts, ideas, creative executions in this one piece. So check it out as well as all the other links. There's a lot of content for you guys to check out this week. So that's a good thing. Finally, um, who are you following online that you'd like to share with everyone? I'm going to share one of Node's very own, uh, Rich Nosworthy. Yeah. Yeah. For for anyone that doesn't know Rich, I mean, just just get to get to know his work, follow him online. Uh, one of the most sweetest and just such a lovely guy to, to be around and was really, really happy to meet him at Node this year. Um, was definitely one of the highlights for me to actually get some, spend some time with him because we'd known each other for so many years online. And, um, you know, just as a general fanboy, I think his work is outstanding and, and what he does in the modeling world that he then can obviously design really well and, and render and light. He's just a powerhouse. And, uh, 
yeah su- super inspirational guy yeah great great pick um rich was actually episode one of the pro video podcast so jump back into there and uh have a listen to that episode um long time friend of mine as well and i love catching up with rich because um, he's based here in Auckland, yeah. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, had had some had lunch with him before Christmas, but we have to have a, a 2018 catch up. We try and get everybody from the local community together, go down and have a few beers after work and slice a pizza. So look forward to seeing Rich soon. Actually, nice. Finally, Brett, where can everybody follow you? Where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Yeah, uh, it's a for like uh, individually. Uh, my Twitter handle is, uh, gosh, what is it? BMA Morris, I think. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you can add the link in the definitely, show definitely have the link. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Twitter and Instagram is generally like you know personal and just sort of thoughts. Uh, but then obviously Ranger and Fox at Ranger and Fox for Twitter, Instagram. Uh, for all things studio related and we're we're uh trying to make a big push for the social stuff this year just because um you know as as much as i'm sort of being included in the community we want to make sure that the the studio has a voice and everyone can connect with the studio through that so definitely going to be ramping up the um, communication on that this year sweet sweet this podcast started out as being um sort of australia new zealand focused but it's very much internationally focused now so it's great to have you being in LA with Ranger and Fox but also being being a cousin from Australia absolutely (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to have you and Steve on as Ranger and Fox again in the future and we can talk about um, projects that come out and make it a regular thing to just dive dive into the nitty-gritty of the project so I really do enjoy exploring that yeah absolutely yeah we'd love to sweet um consider this a little time capsule and we'll come back in <laughs> in the future and awesome. continue the conversation awesome to hear okay so you can follow pro video podcast on twitter instagram and facebook at pro video podcast but you can also join the slack group we've got a link here and you can follow me at blair walker on twitter I'll be honest, a lot of the content on both feeds are the same. Um, I automate the hell out of my social medias. So, <laughs> so you'll, you'll see stuff, but it, I find that I always put out stuff that I find interesting, whether it's cinematography, lighting, 3D, um, editing, the tools. So there's heaps of content that I'm putting. And I'm putting the same content into different places. So the Facebook group or the Twitter feeds or the Slack groups so that it it's relevant it's important but yeah that's i've definitely been a life hack so i can maybe maybe share some things of what i'm doing seeing if that helps you guys too too brett yeah i'll take note <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks so much brett for being on the show man uh, it's been awesome to have you thank you hey it's been a, it's been an awesome time and thank you for having me looking forward to doing it again thank you everybody out there for listening If you've enjoyed the show, and I'm sure you have, please, please, please share it. Share this episode out on your social medias and listen to the other shows. Subscribe, rate, and review. You know, the podcast is always asking you to do. Anyway, have a great week, everyone, and catch you next time. Okay, bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes.